Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. 48 hours ago, I did not think that I was going to be the king of all media. But I have become the king of all media. In the last 24 hours, I've done Fox News, Tucker Carlson show twice. I've done CNN, I've done headline news, and I've done pretty much every major radio show in the country that I could fit in. And all of it has spiraled out of a story that OutKick broke, that I broke about uh, whatever it was, everything runs together now, Tuesday night. And that story that is still reverberating across the landscape, not just of sports, but of the larger cultural landscape, is ESPN having replaced an Asian guy named Robert Lee because his name was too familiar to Robert E. Lee from calling the Virginia and William and Mary game. If you have been living under a rock and you haven't heard this story, it just sounds absurd to even say out loud, but millions of people have come read Outkick the Coverage's article about that. Obviously, millions of people have been watching it, and ESPN now has issued three different statements about this incident. The most recent one that came out last night, which is full of lies and which accuses me of being, as the statement from ESPN president John Skipper says, I'm disappointed that the good intentions of our Charlotte colleagues have been intentionally hijacked by someone with a personal agenda. And that's just such a joke. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, There is absolutely no truth to it. And I love the fact that I have got ESPN's president, John Skipper, so rattled 
that he's having to put out public statements which are full of lies. And all this is is a larger-scale context of everything that came out of the Colin Kaepernick protest. It's that ESPN has decided somewhere along the way that they are going to lionize left-wing athletes and treat them as if they are the equivalent of modern-day heroes. And most of you out there listening right now do not believe that because Michael Sam wanted to have sex with a dude that he was worthy of lionization. Most of you out there listening right now don't think that because Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner, because a dude decided to become a girl, that that was the most impressive sports accomplishment in the universe, like ESPN said it was when they gave him an ESPY. And the vast majority of you out there, Colin Kaepernick's protest went on in New York City. The vast majority of the people who showed up for that protest, I saw a lot of the pictures, not hardcore NFL fans. They have hijacked the sporting conversation. But the vast majority of you out there aren't like, you know who Colin Kaepernick reminds me of? Rosa Parks. You know who this guy who made tens of millions of dollars to play football and then decided that when he was on his job, he needed to take a knee and protest, and now he's upset because he can't get a job. You know, he reminds me of Rosa Parks. And everyone with a functional brain, this is crazy. Today's show covered this story, all right? Today's show put up a poll. Do you agree with the decision of ESPN to pull this Asian guy named Robert Lee off the broadcast? Do you know what the poll results were? 97% of people said they disagreed with ESPN's decision. Do you know how hard it is to have a poll where 97% of the people who are involved in the poll have the same opinion? That's almost impossible. I'm not sure what I could put out there that would get a result like that, short of saying something like, it's wrong for a three-year-old to get beaten up by his parents. Like, I'm not sure what I could write that would get 97% agreement. And we, again, put out this poll question, is this the dumbest thing that ESPN has ever done in the history of the network? And over 10,000 of you voted. Massive response to our poll question, as there usually is. And it's just about to close because these things last for 24 hours. And what is totally wild about it is the percentages here, too. I asked, is removing Robert Lee from calling the Virginia game because his name is too similar to Robert E. Lee the dumbest thing ESPN has ever done? Now, remember, last week ESPN was apologizing for Odell Beckham Jr.'s face being used as part of a fantasy football auction alongside Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And ESPN apologized because people said, this reminds me of a slave auction. So ESPN's done a lot of dumb things over the year. Over 31,000 of you voted, all right, in this poll that I put up yesterday, almost exactly 24 hours ago. I put it up during this show yesterday. 85% of you said it's the dumbest thing ESPN has ever done. Over 31,000 votes. That's a massive poll question on Twitter. You can find me, by the way, on Twitter at Clay Travis. And I think what the response has shown as the response has reined in. By the way, how stupid is ESPN? Three different statements they've now issued since their initial statement to me at Outkick the Coverage confirming that they pulled this guy Robert Lee off. And last night 
at about 8 o'clock Eastern, the president of the network takes a shot at me and releases this latest statement. Literally, as I am going on Tucker Carlson's insanely popular Fox News show with millions of people watching. And if you ever wondered what pure destruction looks like, go watch that entire clip of my, uh, per, of my performance on Tucker Carlson. In fact, I think Danny G pulled the first minute of that, and here we're going to play it for you. This is me last night just absolutely, I believe, destroying ESPN on the Tucker Carlson program on Fox News. So, Clay, first to you, you broke this story. ESPN reacted in some greater detail today and said this had nothing to do with political correctness and nothing to do with race. Am I missing something or is that just like a a lie? It's a lie. I mean, ESPN lies a lot. And Tucker, you know this, having covered politics for a long time. When you put out an initial statement and then you have to follow it with another statement, and then you have to follow it with a third statement, what you're realizing is that everybody is calling you on your BS and you're continuing to follow it with more BS. And so by the time you get to the third statement, the first statement is probably the most reliable. It didn't tell the full story, but this is what ESPN does. This is why fans on both the left and right sides of the political spectrum have been abandoning the network because they aren't trustworthy. And because like I said, they are MSESPN. They're using their ability to reach people through sports as an opportunity to become a left-leaning sports network. And it used to be sports was dessert. It was the toy chest of life. It was where we all went to escape the serious things that confronted us every day. And now that's not the case anymore. It's like, I've got three kids, Tucker. If I tell them you've got dessert when you finish this meal and then I give them broccoli, they're not going to be very happy. ESPN's giving us broccoli every single day and trying to sell it as dessert. Well, that's right. That's the frustrating thing. That's why I'm almost never offended by MSNBC, the real one, because they are what they say they are. That was Tucker. You can go watch the entire thing if you want to watch that uh, that hit. I was on with Britt McHenry, and then my buddy Jason Whitlock came on after us. That was on the start of Fox News. That's how big of a story this has become, that Tucker Carlson, who has the most popular show every night on cable now, that he led his entire story last his entire show last night with this story. So it has become a story that is everywhere, international even. People have been reaching out to see whether I'll come on over the pond and talk about this story, and all of it has happened in the last 36 hours or so. And I just come back again and again to what I think is the central thesis here. ESPN blew this situation beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? This guy, Robert Lee, I got tipped off by people inside of ESPN. I appreciate everybody who listens right now, who is listening right now, who works at ESPN as they drive into work all over the country. And the reason why so many ESPN employees are listening right now to this show is because they agree with me that their company has become a political organization shilling in a way that isn't making everyone treated equally. Look, people sometimes say, oh, Clay, like you talk a lot about politics. Why do you complain about ESPN putting politics in sports? That's a fair question. What they're missing is the larger context. I am perfectly fine with politics interjecting with sports. What I'm not perfectly fine with is somebody coming out there and trying to tell me all these things they've been doing about Michael Sam, Colin Kaepernick, and now, uh, and, and certainly Caitlyn Jenner, and now this thing with Robert Lee. One side of the political equation being trumpeted, being praised, 
and the other side not being at all acknowledged is a disaster. And it's unfair. And that's what I'm hearing from people inside ESPN all the time, that if you're a left-wing liberal who believes that Colin Kaepernick is a modern-day Rosa Parks, who believes that Michael Sam having sex with, the, with dudes, it makes him a hero, and also believes that Caitlyn Jenner deciding to cut her penis off and become a man makes her worthy of commendation, then you get promoted and you get television shows and you get support from the network. If you don't believe those things and you are public about them, you get none of that. In fact, you have a good chance to lose your job. And that's why it is a completely unequal and unfair treatment. It's the difference between saying, what do you think of Colin Kaepernick's protest, which is what we always begin the discussion with here. I obviously think he's an idiot protesting in a stupid way. But ESPN will be like, how heroic is Colin Kaepernick? Right? The question matters. And so here with this Robert Lee situation, I have been beating this drum for a long time. ESPN is obsessed with diversity of color. Right? And this is something that I think far left-wing people do, and it is just wrong. Diversity of color is fine, but diversity of color should not be your goal when you use the word diversity. You should be pursuing diversity of opinion. And the fact that ESPN has lots of people who are different colors but all think the same is how they ended up making a decision like they did in this Robert Lee case. In this Robert Lee case, they had a guy, an Asian guy, named Robert Lee who was set to call the University of Virginia against William & Mary game right, on the opening Saturday of college football. This game will be like the 50th most popular college football game that exists on all of television that day. If they had just let this guy call the game, nobody notices that his name is Robert Lee and that it's similar to Robert E. Lee and that there's very much associated with it for more than like 45 minutes or an hour. Could somebody create a funny internet meme where they're like, man, look at Robert E. Lee trying to sneak back into Charlottesville. We see you, Robert. You're not not smooth. And it's a picture of Robert Lee dressed as a Confederate general. Maybe for 45 minutes or an hour, that's a story. Probably not, but worst case scenario, that's what happens. And then you've got this game kicking off at the exact same time as Michigan and Florida. And then later on that day, you've got Alabama and Florida State, which is the best matchup of of top teams in the opening weekend of college football that we have had in decades, number one against number three. So get out of here with this idea from ESPN that this was going to be a major story. Somebody should have stood up and said, okay, wait, that's the worst case scenario if we just leave him on this game. If we pull him off this game and this news gets out, we're going to look incredibly idiotic and this is going to be a really messy situation for us and the news got out because people inside ESPN leaked it to me and we wrote about it at Outkick the Coverage otherwise it would have never gotten out and now they're trying to say oh well we were just trying to protect this guy get out of here you've made him an object of ridicule for two days now and you have killed your brand I tell you what, when I saw this story go up and I started to see it pop everywhere, I felt like the Night King, spoiler alert, on Game of Thrones. Like I just pulled a spear out and took out a dragon, and it had just gone down beneath the water. That's what I think I did to ESPN. 
I Buster Douglas them against Mike Tyson. I absolutely knocked them out. What do you got, Danny G? You know, Clay, I was watching it live on Fox News, and what'd you think? What'd you give me a, a grade one to ten? How well, think I did? there's you one know, very know. serious thing that you haven't mentioned. Your hair was a major fail. Really? You didn't like my hair last night? <laughs> Britt McHenry, she uh, lapped you with yeah. Oh, well, look, let's be honest. I will say this: Britt McHenry is so much better looking than me that it's like putting the Crypt Keeper on <laughs> next to, like, a Victoria's Secret supermodel, right? Like, Britt McHenry's really smart. We have her on the show all the time. But you put Britt McHenry and me side-by-side side in a split screen, and there's no, there's no favors being done to me, right? Like, my wife watched it last night, and she was like, why is your, why is your lighting so much worse than Britt McHenry's? And I'm like, yeah. it's not my lighting. It's that her DNA is so much better than mine, just like your DNA is so much better than mine. Like, <laughs> I am just a normal-looking dude, and they got other people who look like supermodels coming on television. Like, this is what happened. The, one of the years that we were doing the show on Fox College Football, they had um, me, Petros Papadakis, Matt Leinert, and uh, Joel Klatt and Rob Stone on a panel together, right? And Petros and I just looked at each other. Petros obviously is, is really a funny dude, does an awesome show on 570 LA in the, in the afternoon. I'm sure a lot of you in LA listening right now listen to Petros. And he and I looked at each other and we're like, what are they doing? Like they put me between Leinert and, and Joel Klatt, like two of the best looking dudes to ever play quarterback in the history of college football. And then I'm just a dude who writes online. It's like, I'm just lucky that I have a tan and I'm not sunburned, Right. So I actually thought my hair looked pretty good. I just thought it looked awful in conjunction with Britt McHenry, who did a really good job last night on Tucker Carlson as well. I need to be put next to normal-looking dudes. Like I remember my buddy, Chris Vernon, who is a, uh, a Memphis uh, sports guy, awesome dude, covers the Grizzlies a lot. He, uh, we were at Ole Miss for a uh, Tennessee Ole Miss game, and uh, he was walking around in the press box. He's like, you know, you're not bad-looking for guys in the press box. And that's totally true, right? Like... It, the press box standard of good looks is where I kind of excel. You got a bunch of fat dudes, like uh, bad hair, a lot of toupees. Like for writers about sports, I'm insanely good looking. I would be like the hot, I'm the hottest sports writer in America in many press boxes that I go into. Like if there were a draft and women had to pick a guy that they want to bang in the in the press box, if you exclude TV guys and you just do guys who write, I'm like the hottest sports writer in America. Everybody would want to bang me. But you put me on television with other good-looking people like Britt McHenry, and I look like the Crypt Keeper. That's the truth. There's no doubt about that. By the way, open phone lines, 877-996-6369. Did you watch CNN? Did you watch Headline News? Did you watch Fox News? You can give me a review on my performance. You can also weigh in on this ridiculousness. Why is ESPN filled with so many liars at the top of that organization? And what do they have to feel like to get dunked on and just have my balls all up in their face? Not just balls either, like sweaty balls. Like can't be a good feeling for ESPN. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Geico play of the day. You know how humble I am. Kind of guy who hates to brag, hates to draw attention to himself. And that's why it's spectacular that I didn't even make this suggestion. Jason Martin suggested, you know what? You should be the Geico play of the day, responding to ESPN president John Skipper, who put out a statement full of lies last night. 
And I was on Tucker Carlson last night responding to John Skipper as that story broke, as his statement was released, ESPN's president telling lies about me. And so I decided to bring out my hacksaw Jim Duggan two-by-four and put it upside his face, and it sounded a little bit something like this. We'll be embarrassed at this moment me, 20 years Let now. me respond really if quick, I can, because John Skipper yeah. took a shot at me, the president of yeah, ESPN. Yeah. I mean, look at this story. Everyone who came out said every reasonable person can see an Asian guy who's alive today and realize that it's not a dead Confederate general from 1870. This is the yes. problem with ESPN and their leadership. They talk to us like we're a bunch of idiots and imbeciles and sell crap and expect us to see it and think, oh my God, how lucky we are that ESPN is treating us this way. This is not true. This is a lie. They, I want you to think about this, just everybody out there watching right now. ESPN is the most powerful sports media company in the world, all right? If they come to an employee who might make $75,000 a year and rarely ever gets to call college football games, and they say, hey, we're a little bit concerned because you have the same name as Robert E. Lee in Charlottesville. Do you really believe the guy making $75,000 a year makes the decision about whether or not he's going to call the game? Or like every employee sitting out there right now, when your rich bosses sit you down and say, hey, we've got a little concern. How about you do this instead? He did what the company wanted him exactly. to do, and now they're throwing exactly. him under the bus, That's claiming right. that they were afraid a few people would make fun of him during the game. Well, instead, they created a national story uh, that course, has now lasted for multiple him. days with his name completely connected to Robert E. Lee. Again, if I were ESPN, I'd sue for peace. They just got Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombs dropped on them. They are dead. I'm looking at it right now. Somebody just tweeted me this. I'm not familiar. How often do you guys read The Daily Beast? I don't read the Daily Beast that often, um, but I talked to one of their uh, one of their leader, one of their writers, and they just put up late last night uh, that I just blew up ESPN. They they're doing a profile on me, and it's got me holding a baseball bat and ESPN as a pinata, and me like busting the pinata. And the opening sentence is on Tuesday, Clay Travis, a Fox Sports Radio host and owner of the site, outkick the coverage. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a it blew up ESPN basically. I haven't read the article, but the uh, the article is Clay Travis just blew up ESPN. That's the headline. So I don't read the Daily Beast. I'm sure that that'll get some review. I'm sure it won't all be positive. I'm sure a lot of it will be, oh, Clay Travis is an awful human being. But that's what happens every time I get an article written out there. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We are joined now. By Rich Greenfield. Rich is a uh, is an interesting guy. He is a analyst who covers the, uh, the the media industry. His bio on Twitter, you can find him there at Rich BTIG, is that he is a media futurist, BTIG TMT analyst, former Goldman Sachs, Polly Fulcrum. Uh, Rich, give me your background there for people out there right now who may not be familiar with you. How would you describe yourself? Look, our day job is figuring out whether media stocks, and I use the word media pretty broadly because we're talking for everything from Disney uh, and Fox all the way across to things like Netflix, Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. We're trying to figure out whether these companies are going up or down. So we do buy, sell, and hold recommendations effectively on media and technology stocks. Uh, and along the way, you know, it's hard to do that without trying to think about where the future of media is going, how, you know, private companies, remember when Snapchat was a private company, you know, how all these companies are going to disrupt the, the kind of what I call the legacy media world. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about 
the future of media, and of course, you can't talk about media, Clay, as you know, without talking about sports media. There's no doubt, and I appreciate you joining us. I've been reading your stuff and following you for a while, and a lot of people overlap us because I try and think about where media is going as well uh, with what I do because I've got to figure out where my audience is going to be. So I'll start with this question. Which media companies right now, and you just said you define media broadly, are you most favorably disposed towards? Like who do you like right now and think, man, these companies are in fantastic spots? Well, look, I, I think it's hard not to look at what Netflix has done. I mean, when you think about the fact that four and a half years ago, House of Cards didn't even exist. And now there is a, you know, uh, a backlog of shows that you, your family, your friends want to watch just four and a half years later. It's, it's pretty amazing how fast they've built the juggernaut of original programming. I mean, I'm like, I think, eight episodes through, through um, Ozarks. I mean, there is just so much to watch. So I think when you look at the the trajectory, I mean, Netflix is at 100 million subscribers. There doesn't seem to be much that's going to prevent them over the next several years from, you know, growing dramatically larger than that. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, uh, I think, a company that when you look at it where there's really this virtuous cycle, meaning they create more content, that content attracts subscribers uh, or consumers watch it more. People want to keep the service more. They talk about it more with their friends more subscribers means they can spend even more on content. So it's a virtuous circle that's really driving significant growth for the company. I think that's why the stock has done so well. And then, of course, it's hard when you talk about media broadly to not talk about Facebook just because I've never seen a company grow the way Facebook has grown. And when you talk Facebook, you're not just talking Facebook. You're talking Facebook and Instagram uh, and WhatsApp. And, you know, I, look, I think one of the big questions we have is, you know, when you think about sports media, how many of these companies will ultimately be bidders for sports rights? Because I think that's really the biggest question facing sports as you look out over the next, call it four to five years, is will we see new bidders because the TV ecosystem is so troubled? And what do you think is going to happen? The Amazons, the Netflixes, the, uh, the Facebooks of the world out there, Apple even, do you think they're going to get involved in sports, original sports content? Well, you know, let's be let's like maybe start from the beginning, right? And the standpoint of these companies weren't even doing original TV-like programming not too long ago. Uh, Amazon started, you know, a little after Netflix. Uh, Apple's just hiring a team now. They've come out with their first two shows this summer. I don't think, you know, my guess is your audience isn't clamoring to watch either of those shows. Uh, it's early days, but they just hired a, a real TV production team. They've been building out that team. I think, you know, step one for Apple is get into the original, uh, what I would call TV film creation business. But I'd be shocked if they didn't move forward and move up into sports uh, over time. Facebook's obviously already dabbling in sports. They just announced a deal for some college sports streaming yesterday. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the, big, the big beast out there that everyone should be keeping all of their eyes and attention on is Amazon. Because so I think Amazon is very serious about sports. They have a massive bundle. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind by the time Monday Night Football, uh, when it comes time to renew Monday Night Football in 2021, uh, you know, ESPN's current deal ends at that point. There's no doubt in my mind that Amazon's going to have more subscribers in the U.S. to Amazon Prime than ESPN has in the U.S. to its service. And so Amazon's going to be a force to be reckoned with, and everybody in the sports business should be looking and also hoping that Amazon becomes a serious bidder. 
you mentioned that sport, uh, that that Monday Night Football package. To me, that is a great litmus test for where the future is going to be. Right now, ESPN is paying around one point nine billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Now, that also includes subsidiary programming surrounding Monday Night Football, but their business is declining rapidly, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that Monday Night Football package. What do you think is going to end up happening there? How much is it going to sell for? Like, if you were right now trying to project, the NFL obviously is going to want as much money as they possibly can get. That package comes up before anything else comes up. How much more money can the NFL get off of that Monday night football package, or have they kind of tapped out? Where do you think the value lies? Well, you're going to get two earlier signs, to be fair. One, remember, the deal they have for Thursday night football that right now goes to CBS, NBC, and Amazon for the digital-only rights, that's only a one-year deal. So it's possible that a year from now, Amazon or Apple or Facebook bids for exclusivity, not just online exclusivity, but all exclusivity uh, across all platforms for Thursday Night Football. So I would keep an eye on what happens with Thursday Night Football for the 2018-2019 season. That could be a really good early indicator of where things are going. The other one to keep an eye on um, for your audience is in 2019, there's an early exit option that the NFL has to take the Sunday ticket package away from AT&T DirecTV, and they could either use it themselves or they could shop it to somebody else. They may just leave it and let the contract run out over the next few years, but they could decide to move it to a digital player earlier um, for the 2020 season if they wanted to. Uh, when I think about 2021 uh, for Monday Night Football, I mean, look, I, I think in terms of what that billion nine, two-ish billion dollars, let's just say that ESPN's paying now, what happens to it, it's a really good question. You know, if there's only, I don't think there's any question that a company like ESPN with falling subscribers, struggling ratings, nobody watching SportsCenter the way they used to, I don't think they're in a position to pay dramatically more. In fact, they, sh- you know, financially they need to pay less. But you know, who knows if that's even an option? The how much more that contract could go for probably depends on whether Amazon's bidding against Apple. You know, if it's just Amazon against Disney, I'm not sure that contract goes for dramatically more. If it's Amazon bidding against, you know, Apple, Google, Facebook, maybe this, you know, these companies have the ability to spend $3 billion on Monday Night Football. I mean, there's, there's really no ceiling to what they could pay. These are companies with, you know, hundred, you know, far, far larger than You're any You're talking about the company. tech companies, yeah, by These far. tech companies are huge. I mean, Apple has enough cash, just to be clear. Apple has enough cash where they could buy Disney for cash on hand. Yeah, that's an amazing statistic. That's an amazing statistic. So, yeah, and people don't talk enough about that, I don't believe. Like, the size of these companies, I'm looking at the market cap right now. If you're driving around in your car right now, I think some of you have probably not even paid attention to this, but you were mentioning Netflix earlier. Netflix right now is right at $73 billion as a market cap. Fox is $50 billion. So Netflix is bigger than 21st Century Fox. Um, and Facebook now is at... Oh, nearly $500 billion. And what you just mentioned, Apple, Apple's market cap is near is approaching a trillion dollars. They're at $826 billion. And you just said a stat that's amazing. With the cash that they have on hand right now, they could buy Disney. I mean, that's an amazing stat that I don't think most people out there realize in terms of how much bigger these tech companies are, by and large, than the traditional media companies we think of. 
or, or pull up CBS. I mean, they're, you know, they have the AFC package. I mean, CBS is a $26 billion company. I mean, CBS relative to Apple or Facebook looks like a pimple. No, it's 100% so, true. Can so you come back with right. us one more segment after this break if we call you back to finish out the hour? I'm around. You let me know. We're talking to Rich Greenfield from BTIG. And I got to tell you, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Rich, ESPN, about five or six years ago, had over 100 million subscribers. Now they have 87 million subscribers. They're adding a direct-to-consumer option, so-called OTT or over-the-top option. What do you think about ESPN's future, and how does that impact your opinion of Disney? Look, ESPN is really the the weight dragging down Disney. They're, you know, the, the the bottom line is that they they've basically they've never seen a sports right. You know, I think John Skipper has really made some big strategic mistakes. He's just bought every sports right, paid more and more money. You know, he paid well over a hundred percent increase for the NBA rights, while his revenues, meaning the amount of money they generate uh, every single month from subscribers uh, and from advertisers is weakening you know they're losing subscribers advertising is struggling i mean people are you know i don't know about you clay but watching sports center is something i used to do every day growing up as a kid and you know doubt at, you know you look at kids today and it's just sports center sports center happens on twitter all day long um it doesn't happen on espn when you get home at you know six o'clock let alone watching van pelt at midnight um and so ratings are, are struggling advertising struggling and yet they've spent a ton on, on sports rights. And so, you know, ESPN is just no longer a growth business, and, and it's really dragging Disney down. It scares investors. It's really kept a lid on Disney's stock price. Uh, and I think, you know, the direct-to-consumer product, which you mentioned, they are launching later this year. Actually, early next year they're going to be launching it. But the problem with it is it's not going to have Monday Night Football. It's not going to have the NBA games going to have a lot of you know kind of tertiary product I don't, if you ever watch the espn3 content that you could get within the watch espn app some of that's now going to be in there so instead of being free you're going to pay extra for it um or they're going to try to get you to pay extra for it but i think it's going to be a very tough sale it's going to be a very niche product for a diehard sports fan that has to have everything but you're, gonna, you're probably going to see a lot of mlb games that are not your local games but national games you're going to see some tertiary college sports games but it's not going to be the great stuff that you see on television, whether we're talking ESPN or the SEC network. All of that content is sticking with television. How would you handle ESPN's declining subscriber numbers and their challenges, in particular that NBA contract you mentioned, which I think is going to be a hindrance for years and years to come? They drastically overpaid for that league. What would you do if you were the head, if you were John Skipper at ESPN? How would you write the ship? Well, look, I think John's got to figure out. First of all, I think John Skipper's probably the wrong person. I mean, I think he's made enough strategic mistakes where I think new management, a fresh approach would probably be really helpful to the future of ESPN. But um, I think, you know, the strategically the right move is how do you get ESPN relevant on literally on a mobile device? Because that's what we're really talking about. The, the most personal device to all of your listeners today the thing that they're using more and more every day is their phone. And so ESPN, how do you get it relevant? And I think of sports talk radio, basically what we're doing right now, sports talk radio is Twitter today. And so we've thought it made a lot of sense. If, if ESPN Disney were to own Twitter 
And you yeah. can think about a live 24-7 conversation going on. You know, no more sports center on TV. Nobody cares about watching linear TV. But imagine if sports center and news, news audio video was playing out 24-7 within Twitter. That would be really interesting for Disney. I don't know if they have the guts to do a transaction like that. But to me, what ESPN used to have when you would watch it for not just highlights but also conversation around sports, that's happening. It's just not happening on ESPN. It, it, it lives and breathes on Twitter all day long, which is where I know you and I um, you know, are actively all the time. But Disney's got to figure out a way to get ESPN relevant on mobile devices, plain and simple. Who do you love right now? You mentioned some companies that are big. Who do you think is strategically really smart in the sports arena? Who's doing a great job of getting their product out there for a modern consumer? Well, look, I think there are much smaller businesses, but they're disruptive, right? So, you know, I don't think a Bleacher Report or a Barstool Sports are ever going to be the size of ESPN. You know, the reality is 100 million people, as you mentioned, paying for ESPN eight dollars a month whether they watch it or not and most didn't watch it most didn't care about it but they paid it as part of the bundle espn was over earning for a long time they'll never play be a business as good as espn used to be but there's a lot of room for disruptors who understand social who understand mobile and i think when you look at companies like bleacher report when you look at what you know think of house of highlights i mean they're doing it they're crushing it on instagram you know, look at a, a um, you know, look at what Barstool's done in, in terms of building a real cult. You know, still more of an East Coast, middle of the country versus West Coast brand, but you know, the team's trying to expand that nationally. You know, they're building new sports media brands, um, literally on the backs of social media, and I think it, it's really problematic for ESPN because they're not as nimble and fast as these companies. They don't understand engagement on social the way those companies do, and so. Uh, you know, they're just going to take market share and time spent away from ESPN, and they're going to be an ongoing bigger and bigger problem for them. Outstanding stuff, Rich. We need to get you on more frequently. I know a lot of people are loving this. At Rich BTIG, I believe. I'm going to give it out his Twitter yep. handle here as we move forward. I got a hard out, but Rich Greenfield, absolutely fantastic. He's at Rich BTIG. I'm Clay Travis on Twitter. We'll be up next, final hour of Thursday, kicking off. In moments on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I'm going to start off, Colin, by saying your podcast download numbers, I don't know how much you talk about them on your own show, but I'm going to pump them up here because they are otherworldly. The number of people who listen to your show on podcasts, and I'm sure terrestrial television everything else, is unlike any audience that exists in daily sports talk radio. So uh, for that, I mean, alone, I don't know if you pat yourself on the back. I'll pat you on the back for it because the numbers are flat-out phenomenal. Uh, have you been blown away by what podcasting has done for your reach? Uh, yeah, I'm going under a tunnel here real quickly, so I hope I don't lose you uh, for about 30, 10 seconds here. Uh, my audience, I have been absolutely shocked uh, I thought I would bring an audience over. I had no idea that the audience would become what it is, and it's growing really quickly. Uh, only 40% of people are aware of podcasts, so those numbers, Clay, are going to continue to go up and up and up. I just feel indebted to the audience, man. I just Honestly, I've always worked hard. Uh, the fact that people have followed me over, and a lot of it, Clay, is just that Fox has done a remarkable job on radio and TV to build 
a bunch of really talented people in front of me and behind me. I mean, a lot of this is just inertia based on all the talent of the company now. Yeah, you know, I love talking with you, and we talk a lot offline now, because a lot of people who do what we do have no idea what the business actually consists of, how it works. They don't think about anything other than, I'm going to put some words on a page. They don't think about anything other than, I'm talking into a mic, or even I'm on television. You think strategically and intelligently about not just where business is, but where it's going. Why did you decide to go to Fox? Because that was really a strategic move on your part. It wasn't just money. Uh, well, no, it wasn't money, really. Uh, both companies were uh, very fair. Uh, it was, um, I didn't like the direction of ESPN my last year. Uh, I liked the personnel that was lining up in management at Fox. Uh, I'm able to own large chunks of my business at Fox, and I was not allowed to. They don't allow anybody at ESPN to do that. And frankly, I wanted to be able to kind of start over. I felt I was boxed in at ESPN. Uh, they chose Mike and Mike over me as the show to promote, and I thought I did a better show. I worked harder. Uh, that show now is breaking up. Um, so I just there was a lot of reasons, Clay. You and I talk a lot about this, just like OutKick, the coverage. Uh, I wanted to own more space, um, and I just didn't like the direction of ESPN. Uh, George Bodenheimer ran the company my first seven, eight years. I thought it was remarkable. Uh, after that, it changed. I don't want to badmouth anybody, but I didn't like the direction. Uh, money became a constant topic. Um, uh, certain people moved into the radio division I didn't want to work for, and then I just left. It's, it's a fascinating question, you know, like about where the media universe is going. Um, you obviously have your show that airs simulcast on FS1. You've got, like I said, that podcast outreach, which is just massive. I get this question all the time, and I bet you do as well. If you were talking to an average 20-year-old out there in college right now, what would you want them to know about sports and media? What advice would you give them? They're in college right now. Maybe they're streaming this as a podcast. They're listening. What makes sense to them? What would you want to tell them, boy or girl, out there right now that could lead to success in this industry? Uh, Be viable at many things. You can write. You can report, you can do radio, you can do podcasts, you do digital, you do Facebook, you can do television. Uh, I think I do several things at a decent level. Uh, these people that come out and they're, and they're writers, and mommy and daddy send them to prep school, and they can write, uh, and they're just brilliant, and nobody cares. The written word's dying. It died in newspapers 20 years ago, magazines 10, and the Internet, unless, like you, uh, you come in with more reasonable, moderate views, talk a little gambling, have a raw sort of appeal um, and start at the regional level and, and grow, if you just throw yourself out there as a national website and with a bunch of writers, it's over. So I think you have to do what you've done, which is the ability to um, modify on a consistent basis and uh, just be nimble. The word I always use with people, be nimble. Don't be, I want to be a writer. Well, you better be able to do something else besides that because ESPN is the house of a lot of sports journalists and they're flushing them out really quickly. Your show. Uh, I listen to the show a lot. I've been on a lot as a guest. When you come in, I always like to talk about the procedure of how we decide what shows we're going to do on a day-to-day basis, right? Like what topics they're going to be. How do you decide what your topics are going to be off the top? How many different iterations do you go through? How many different ideas do you have? I say I sit down with a note card with four topics that I plan on hitting on any given show. Now, that can change depending on what, the, what happens in the news and everything else. But for you, what's your process right as you pr- like as you prepare for your show? 
uh, that you can't talk about the lead story enough. People think, oh, I get tired of that story. I heard you talking about it an hour ago, to which I say, you were listening an hour ago. Um, <laughs> it, really is, it, it really is rinse and repeat. If, the, if there's a huge tornado in America, does the Weather Channel move off it all day? No. If there's a plane crash, does CNN move off it all day? No, they won't move off it for a month. Uh, does Fox News get off of Trump very much? No. So why in sports should I have to talk about tennis? I talk about primarily August 1st through February 5th, NFL and major college football. And then I go skiing or go to Mexico for a couple of weeks, you know, go have a nice vacation. I come back March 1st. I do college basketball for a month. And then I move into NFL draft and NBA for three months and four months. And it's a rinse and repeat. Don't overthink it. Um, you know, you can get off and I always have kind of a belief, Clay. None of us are as funny or as smart as we think. Play the hits over and over. Try to be creative talking about them. Talk about them in, you know, different varieties. But if you're talking college basketball, it better be Duke or Kentucky. And if you're talking the NFL, you better sprinkle in a lot of Cowboys. And that's the game. We're talking to Colin Cowherd as he heads in for work. You can obviously listen to his show on many of these uh, Fox Sports Radio stations that you're listening on right now, including Sirius XM Channel 83. What did you think about the Robert Lee controversy? Like the decision that ESPN made? I- I've said it's like not even the slippery slope. It's like the bottom of the slope, right? Like you're already down the slope by the time you decide this guy's name is too similar to Robert E. Lee to call a game. Yet it seems like this is happening over and over and over again where politics is bleeding into sports. Do you see that? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Your thoughts in general on that? Well, I thought they butchered that story. That story came on the heels of the auction story, which they got beat up in the press. So then they overreacted on Robert Lee. Uh, It's kind of a vicious cycle. Uh, I thought it was – I just didn't understand it whatsoever. Um, And I I think what's happened to ESPN is, you know, for about 30 years – Clay, they just dominated their space and they controlled the message. And now they have competition. There's erosion of subscribers, erosion of ratings. I mean, their radio network in the two years since I've left is a disaster. Uh, my numbers are, my slot's down 40%. Mike and Mike are quitting. Ryan Rossillo may get fired. And Bamani Jones doesn't work on terrestrial, though he's a super talented guy. So, like, they're eroding and they're facing pressure and they don't control the message anymore. And it, it becomes this vicious cycle where there was the, the auction story was ugly, and then they somebody in management goes, uh-oh, Robert Lee, and that's ugly. And I just think for 30 years they dominated their space, and then all the leagues created networks, and we did, and NBC did, and there's a lot of people worried about their jobs, uh, very fearful, and it's created a psychology in, a building, in the building that is palpable for the people that work there. I mean, I've got lots of friends. The fact the part of that story that's really the most troubling for ESPN is that you're able to consistently and outkick uh, break stories about ESPN, telling you there's major dissatisfaction inside the building. So somebody called you knowing you're the last person they would want to have it, and you got it. That tells you their primary issue. It is an unhappy building, and they're in a dying business. We are not. We have a massive regional sports network. I'm not going to give you the numbers on air, off air. I think we've discussed them. That protects us. We are not dying. They are. And it's, it's a scary place to be. It's a dying business over there. And there's a lot of people reeling and just trying to protect their space. 
I think that's a good point. I've said it on here. I mean, remember this story that I broke about the Robert Lee, it came from inside ESPN. There's a lot of people at ESPN that are fans of OutKick and think that the direction of ESPN is wrong and they're unhappy and they reach out and they want us to break stories, even though obviously I'm not ESPN's favorite person, far from it. Uh, Colin, you and I also talk about how most people who cover stories look at where they are as opposed to where they're going. And you are very optimistic about what's going to happen at FS1 in terms of the growth of that network because you're looking around the corner as opposed to what's in front of you right now. Explain why. Well, we never had a leadoff hitter. Uh, We're basically a baseball team without a leadoff hitter. So to find Skip and I in Whitlock, you have to go every day, come over and find us. We don't get any casual viewers. But yet we've we've tripled our numbers. My numbers just keep going up and up, and Skip's are remarkable. And speak for yourself now in the last six months has a certain momentum. Uh, now we have a leadoff hitter as of Labor Day, and we have the Big Ten, and we have the World Cup. Um, listen, it's not hard to figure this out. You can tell just simply by looking at basic data what works. ESPN's doing video shows in the debate, in the journalism, back to debate. Uh, we are, we're five guys, big personalities, people you know, strong opinions, rinse and repeat. It's working. It works at Fox News. It works with us. We will have – it's just not difficult to figure out. You can watch your outkick numbers. You see what works on a daily basis. So we're growing quickly, and we've just started our growth cycle. Uh, It will only grow significantly quicker uh, the day after Labor Day for the next two years. Uh, That's when my contract ends. I hope I resign. But the business is not about your website, you know, foxsports.com. It's not driving business. It's a TV world. Uh, it's a radio world that's growing. It, it, I, I would say it's actually audio, not radio. And yeah, it's Colin. It's a world. And it's a face. We, we are going to the end of the show now. I wanted to get you on. You were fantastic. Listen to Colin Cowherd nationwide. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.